Well, what a 24 hours it's been. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a one-stop, locally-owned commercial and residential cleaning company that focuses on providing the highest level of cleaning services and supplies to their clients. Check them out online at clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Twitter and Instagram, I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Slowed there a little bit, been a busy week. We'll get back at it soon. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Shoutouts to Tommy Fresh Music and Wasted Talent for the music that's been provided. So, at the end of the show, we got a couple of wrestling interviews with uh, the Cheetah Bear and the brand from Can-Am Wrestling. They got a show tonight at the back alley. Um, if you want to hear me interview with Cheetah Bear, and how could you not, stay tuned for that. But we start today with the National Football League as holy hell the National Football League is crazy. Just in the last 48 hours, since we did the show on Monday, Calvin Ridley has been suspended for the year. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Russell Wilson isn't staying in Seattle. And Carson Wentz is on his way to the commanders which will take some getting used to it's a lot man it is it's wild i think we have to start with russell wilson this is one of the, this is the biggest trade of the offseason nothing will top this and it is in fact one of the biggest trades of all time like this kind of stuff just doesn't happen it's been something that i have fretted about in the nfl for a very long time we love trade deadline season in baseball in basketball in hockey in football, it's okay, well, which tight end is getting traded for a fifth-round pick? Can't fucking wait. These types of deals just don't happen, and this is a legitimate blockbuster. We will start with the side that's getting the better quarterback, because that's the team that's more fun to talk about. From Denver's perspective, this is exactly what you should do. You have, what we've talked before, at length, about build up a strong foundation, and then when you throw that quarterback in, it is go time. This is with a veteran quarterback, but I, I still think they have a strong foundation in place and now they have found their guy. You have a very talented team. You have a very talented receiving core um, with Jerry Judy at the at the top of that. Fantasy owners are going to be all over this dude this upcoming offseason. You still have a defense that kept them in a lot of games this season. I am incredibly intrigued by Denver. Best case scenario, this team is a Super Bowl contender. Like, if things go well, this is absolutely a team that has an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. My one concern from a Denver perspective, and look, I understand, I'm a Raiders fan, so the perception would be that I want this trade to go horribly, horribly wrong. I like football, and I, I enjoy watching good football teams. And look, I've got used to the Raiders losing, so them being in a tough division... Every division's been tough for the Raiders for the last my entire time as a Raider fan. So, yeah. Um, but, like, I, I would love to see it go poorly. But I'm not going to let that alter any analysis here. But my one concern for Denver is that Russell Wilson was not at the peak of his powers last season. Now, the team was dog shit and his finger was hurt all year. So there's a very real chance it was a one-year blip and he is incredible next season. In fact, that is probably the side of this that I would bet on. I, if I were a betting man, and Lord knows I am, um, I would kind of assume that Russell Wilson's just going to be back to being great this season. And with these weapons around him, this will be a very, very good team. But we can't ignore the fact that there is a wee bit of a chance that he is just kind of meh. And in which case, you still take this shot anyway. Like, you... you if I am the Denver Broncos, I am doing this trade 1,000 times out of 10. There is absolutely no question in my mind I'm doing this every single time. It's It just makes so much sense from a, a Denver perspective. Um, 
in terms of like like changing their division odds or anything like that, I think this makes them go from being the fourth best team in the division to the third best team in this division. I still think they're behind Kansas City, and I still think they're behind the Chargers. They're ahead of the Raiders now. But I, I think that like it's going to be extremely competitive, and I, I think all three of those teams that I just mentioned are playoff teams, even though the Chargers weren't a playoff team, and we just talked about how much more difficult this division is. But I think another year of progress, I think the Chargers will be just fine. But you don't, you don't not make these kind of deals because other teams around you are good. There's never going to be a case where you just happen to stumble upon your best team when all 31 others have the worst teams they ever have. At some point, you're going to have to compete with someone, so just take the shot when you got it. I, Again, best case scenario for Denver, they win the Super Bowl. Worst case scenario for Denver, they're a wild card team that loses out in the first round. Like, I just, I, I think those are kind of the range of outcomes that you see for this Denver Broncos team. I, I can't wait to see it. Like, this, this makes Denver a must-watch team for me. Now, for Seattle, it doesn't, it, like, it kind of looks like a huge return because there is, like, actually just a lot of pieces involved. Three players and four draft picks. But I... I do think that it's not the biggest return, and I, I think there is a bit of it that is hurt by Russell Wilson maybe not having the best year last year. When you consider that this is basically just the Jamal Adams trade plus Noah Fant, Drew Locke, a defensive tackle, and two second-round picks, it's kind of eh. It's okay. It's not a bad trade. For for Seattle, I'm not looking at this like, oh man, I can't believe the Raiders didn't get in on this, or I can't believe Team Y didn't get in on this. Like, that's it is a good trade for Seattle. It's not a grand slam home run deal. The one thing I caution against for Seattle here is I, I see a lot of people saying that the Seahawks should just take their quarterback with the pick this year. I wouldn't do that. I think you roll it out there with Geno Smith or with Drew Locke or if you want to get Minshew or Mariota or whoever, and we'll go over that in a minute here. Um, I would do that and then wait to see because there are some dudes in the draft next year. This year, I don't like any of them. To be perfectly honest, I think that there are a couple of guys that could be good, but I'm not banking my franchise on that at all. So I I would much rather take my shot with like the, the, the Bryce Youngs, CJ Strouds of the world next year in the draft and not worry about any of these guys this year. Maybe Drew Locke turns into something in the Seattle air with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett around him. I wouldn't bet on it because we just talked about the weapons that Denver has. Yeah. So that's that's how I would go about this thing if I were Seattle. I wonder I wonder if they, there are more moves to make for Seattle. You, you see a lot of people talking about um, DK Metcalf now potentially being available. Tyler Lockett now potentially being available. Uh, if I'm any NFL team, I'm definitely calling on those guys. Like if I'm the Raiders right now, we've talked again, that's where a lot of my focus is going to be. But talk about needing a number one receiver to help bolster things. DK Metcalf certainly could do that. Um, from a Kansas City perspective, we've talked about how they need guys who can get open. DK Metcalf can do that. Tyler Lockett can do that. And he fits the speed profile of that team very, very well. So I think there are a few intriguing options if Seattle wants to go just full-on teardown. That being said, we talk about building this foundation around young quarterbacks. You now are going to have a little bit more salary cap room to play with, with not having to pay your starting quarterback $40 million. You have Noah Fant, who I think is quite good as a tight end. You have Metcalf and Lockett and Chris Carson when he stays healthy. It's not a bad base to build around. If I am the Seattle Seahawks, I am focusing on that offensive line that's been a problem for fucking ever. And... The defense, I think, needs to be addressed a little bit, but I'm focusing on that offensive line, so next year I can go out and get a quarterback, plug them back in, and I'm not saying it's a one-year rebuild, and off we go, because 
Russell Wilson is going from like the second toughest division in the NFL to the first. It's still a murderer's row for Seattle in that AFC West. But I don't, I, I think if they stay the course, there are at least a couple of pieces there. And now you have some of the resources to try to build around that instead of rush out, draft a quarterback who I don't even think is a first round quarterback in the top 10 and then try to build your franchise that way. I, I just don't think that's the way it goes. That news kind of drowned out the noise from Green Bay as Aaron Rodgers signs his contract with the Green Bay Packers. Reports indicate it's four years at 20, uh, $200 million, which is $50 million a year, which is enough. But Aaron Rodgers tweeting out, and I think a lot of the tweeting out was, um, hey, look at me. Because all the headlines went from, oh, Aaron Rodgers is saying that's great. Here's why that's great, too. Jesus, bleep and bleep. Look at what just happened with the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. A monumental trade. And Rodgers was like, hey, back over here. I like the spotlight. So I think that a bit of him tweeting out, oh, I haven't signed anything yet, was just a, please look at me. But whatever the case, uh, Aaron Rodgers is coming back and it seems like he's going to be a Packer for life. And this is, this always seemed like the way that this should go. Like, Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs, a lengthy run after lengthy run into the NFC playoffs all the time. And I just, what, what scenario was going to be better? When we look at the scenarios right now, like you, we talked about with Denver, very good team, a lot of weapons around them. Hey, none of those weapons are Devonte Adams and much, dif- much more difficult division. So I get to stay in the division with Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota in the conference where I'm probably the best quarterback. I'm definitely the best quarterback. Like you, you run through, we'll run through the quarterbacks a little bit later. No one's close to Aaron Rodgers. So the, the path to a, at least to a Super Bowl, a little bit easier in the NFC. And y'all are going to pay me $50 million. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick it out here. That, that just, it makes sense. And for green Bay, it makes sense too, because Jordan love was terrible when, whenever we, we got to see him. And that kind of leads to the next one. Cause I, I don't think there's a lot to go on with the Aaron Rodgers with green Bay. Like it's just, it, it keeps green Bay as one of the Super Bowl favorites. I agree that they maybe need to address a couple of things to try to help this team improve. But I think not having this Aaron Rodgers thing hanging over this team every single year, I think that is going to be a positive. And it's something that I'm working on for a show next week. When you look at the success of, hey, I might leave next year. Hey, I might leave next year. Hey, I might leave next year. That generally leads to bad decisions where, okay, look, I want to be competitive every year and there is a pressure on you to be competitive every year because of my greatness and you do not want to waste that. But let's not go crazy here. I I think you have more success with that second way than with that first way. So the Packers are going to be awesome again and probably will be for a little bit. In hindsight, now this makes the Jordan Love uh, draft pick look maybe not great. Uh, T. Higgins was drafted after um, Jordan Love. And boy, that would seem like a much better weapon in the offense than anyone not named Devontae Adams, uh, for receivers anyway, for this Green Bay Packers team. And I understand what they were doing. You draft the young quarterback, let him develop for a couple of years. It's what happened with Aaron Rodgers. You know why people keep bringing up that's what happened with Aaron Rodgers? Because it's barely happened since. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Basically all I can think of for guys who drafted, simmered for a year or two, and then out they came. The sneaky truth in all of this is that NFL teams kind of suck at developing quarterbacks. And what it's, when when you think about it, it makes sense. Because 
what do we hear all the time when a quarterback goes down with an injury, especially late in the week, and then a backup comes in? Or if it happens during a game, backup comes in. Oh, well, starter was getting all the first team reps. Yeah, so they're getting a boatload of the time at practice, which is when you would be having these guys get better. Just sitting around and watching the NFL all day doesn't make you a better NFL quarterback. I would know. It, it can improve things when you have better physical abilities than I do, but... You need those reps. You need that rep, um, that, that that practice time. You you need that repetition. You you need to be developing your craft. And NFL teams don't do that because it is focused on the here and now. And let's get the starter familiar with the starting players and work on it that way. The NFL for a long time has been really bad at developing quarterbacks. And look at the two examples that we're talking about: Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. You are telling me that if those guys got thrown in in week six in their rookie year, they wouldn't have been able to shine. Their greatness only came from sitting behind Alex Smith and behind Brett Favre for a couple of years. That That is the key to their greatness. I think these were great dudes who were going to be great dudes anyway, and it just so happened they were in a situation where they could mature. I do think it helped them a little bit, but I don't think it took them from being Jared Goff to being Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. In a perfect world, when we look at how every other sport works, I'll say uh, basketball to a certain extent, but in a perfect world, you would draft a kid, he could develop for a couple of seasons, and then when the veteran is ready to move on, in he goes. But that just isn't how this works in the NFL. It probably should be, but it doesn't. Everyone wants it to be, but it isn't. And now you look at the situation with Pittsburgh. They kind of have sort of tried to do that with Ben Roethlisberger. He's like, yeah, I'm not helping this kid. And now, like, Mason Rudolph isn't ready. And, but with Pittsburgh, they have an opportunity now. Go get a Jimmy Garoppolo or a someone else and try to fit him in that way. That That's how these guys are going to go. When you look at it for New England, like, they had the quarterback there for a while, tried to do the development thing, traded Jimmy Garoppolo away. Team was still good for a little bit. And then once Tom Brady left, they found a young replacement for him. That's... That is the way of it. It, it's, it seems stupid. It really, really does seem stupid. And I hate that I'm arguing this point, but I think the days of, well, just draft this young quarterback behind this starting veteran and look at that, off you go. It just, it it, it hasn't worked. I, I wouldn't bank on it working. I feel like it is. If you want to draft a kid in the third, fourth round for that, by all means. But in the first round, I think there are better ways to use your first round picks at this point. Case in point, uh, Carson Wentz today, traded as the the dealing has continued Wentz is moved to the Washington Commanders for a second in 2022 a second in 2023 with conditions and a 2023 third round pick compare this to what the Colts gave up to get Wentz which was a first and a third it's a little bit lower because it's not a first and I still think it's an overpay everyone bringing up this is not a great year for quarterbacks whether it be in the draft or whether it be in free agency and the Colts are still comfortable giving him up with the with the coach who is the Carson whisperer who's like the main selling point of bringing Carson to Indianapolis was he gets to work with this guy who's got the most out of him than any other coach and at any point in this young man's life has been able to get out of him yeah they don't care they want to trade him anyway that seems like an issue for for Washington I think Wentz had more ish, uh, sorry, more weapons with the Colts last year and still didn't get them to the playoffs in a crappy division with two of the worst teams in the NFL in it. 
He's not a difference maker. He is done being a difference maker. He is, quite frankly, the exact opposite of a quarterback I would want. I either want a difference maker game changer or a cheap option. He is not a difference maker and not a cheap option. I just, I don't think this is how I would want to be living at the quarterback position. And now for the Colts, this clears up $28 million in cap space. They are going to be a player in this offseason. I think they go out and get a Jimmy Garoppolo and then maybe a couple of weapons in the passing game. And this team, I still think this is a good football team. I really do. I think they have a good coach in Frank Reich. I, Frank Reich. I really do. I think this will be a really interesting sleeper team in the uh, Indianapolis Colts this year. So at one point last year, we ran through the quarterback market. And I just, because a couple of things have changed, I think we should run through that again and kind of see where we are at. So in the AFC East, it is Mac Jones with the Patriots, Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. I don't think they're going anywhere. Miami and Tua have had an interesting relationship. I think with all the cap space they have there, they're going to build around Tua. I, I could see them being a landing spot for like an Amari Cooper and try to, to go about it that way. I, I think that they give it a real honest go with Tua Tungavailoa this year. The Jets drafted Zach Wilson last year. That's not going to change. In the AFC North, it is Joe Burrow. It is Lamar Jackson. Pittsburgh is to be determined. And Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. And we'll get to that in a second. In the AFC South, Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. I, I believe the Titans want that to change. I don't believe the Titans will be able to make that change. And at this point, what changes out there that makes them all the way better. Like, un unless unless we find out, I believe it's Friday, the hearing on Deshaun Watson, that uh, 21 women are all lying at the same time about Deshaun Watson, uh, and he's actually just an awesome dude, Th then maybe the Titans might look at that, but I, then would Houston be trading him to them in, in division, right? So I, I think that Tennessee would like to move off of Ryan Tannehill. I don't think they will. The Colts are to be determined. I think it is Mills in Houston and Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville seems locked in. We've talked about the AFC West, Mahomes, Herbert, Derek Carr, and Russell Wilson. By God. Dak Prescott to Dallas. Carson Wentz is with Washington. Jalen Hurts is with Philadelphia. Again, we talked about this before. Jalen Hurts... I don't think is a difference maker at quarterback, but he is good enough that you can draft a couple of pieces around, maybe build that foundation, maybe he is something, or maybe you can let him go for free in not too long and try to go out and get another dude. So uh, Philadelphia is fine there. The Giants are stuck with Daniel Jones this year. Uh, there is the talk of Mitch Trubisky. That talk is heating up again, which again, we'll get to that in a second. I don't go anywhere near that for the Giants. I look at this year as a lost year for them. I, I don't think they're going to be that good. Daniel Jones is too expensive to get rid of, and the next year can do it for free. That's what it's going to be. Minnesota has Kirk Cousins. They tried. They couldn't get off of him. Justin Fields has um, is with Chicago. Um, that's not changing. Jared Goff to Detroit. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay. We talked about that. He's sticking around. AFC South is interesting. Matt Ryan. It's like all four of these teams might actually want a different quarterback. Matt Ryan with Atlanta, I don't think is going anywhere. Carolina with Sam Darnold, I don't believe would go anywhere. Tampa Bay and New Orleans are both to be determined. Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Trey Lance, and then the Seattle Townsend that we talked about before of Drew Locke and Geno Smith. When you look out there, there isn't, there aren't a whole lot of openings but there's even fewer actual dudes. And again, the, the asterisk in all of this is Deshaun Watson. If his situation changes, then that changes this quarterback market, I, I think, rather substantially. After that, it's like Taylor Heineke. Jimmy Garoppolo, probably the apple of everyone's eye right now. Taylor Bridgewater, Mason Rudolph, Marcus Mariota, Gardner Minshew, Mitch Trubisky, and then the, nah, that's in the NFL draft this year. 
Let's get to Trubisky first. All this talk about, hey, look, Mitch Trubisky's probably going to get a big deal. This screams an agent held court at the combine is like, look, teams are teams are calling, man. Teams are going for it. I also wonder, I also really wonder if it's one of these quarterback knee GMs who is saying, hey, man, like, I, I think they know one of their only options is let's try to scrape up a Mitch Trubisky and see what happens. And I think that they are trying to build up a bit of hype around Mitch Trubisky. But in the year of our football gods, 2022, no one's buying that at all. Absolutely nobody is buying that. The reason I said let's go back to Baker Mayfield is this. Cleveland has Case Keenum as their backup quarterback. Excellent backup quarterback. Fringy starter. If you surround him with a a lot of pieces, it can be interesting. You have quarterback desperate teams. In Pittsburgh, that probably isn't happening. Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. You have, as we've discussed, a draft class that is underwhelming and a free agent class that matches. If I am Cleveland, and I am probably moving off of Baker Mayfield next year anyway, why don't we move him now? You you, you just look at some of the, the halls that some of these teams are getting. Carson Wentz just got two seconds and a th- Third, for being awful last year. If you're Cleveland, I get last year wasn't a great year for Baker Mayfield, but you can tell the story that he was hurt. You can sell someone that, and and another team could sell this to their fan base. Look, he was hurt last year. He's a former first overall pick that this is still a, we can fix this guy. We are the New Orleans St. Louis. We have Bruce Arians. We can fix that. If I am Cleveland, I look at the market out there right now and how few options are available at quarterback. And I try to be like, hey, if you don't want Mason Rudolph as your starting quarterback next year, here's a starting quarterback who's won a playoff game in the last three years. Huh? 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 If I'm Cleveland, I am shopping that one hard and seeing if I can, because I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to have to figure out what I'm doing in quarterback next year anyway. I have Case Keenum, who is a fine plug-in until you get to next year, and then on you go. And maybe Cleveland wants to give Baker one more honest try, then move Case Keenum. Now, I guess if you're keeping Baker, then maybe you want that safety net. But I I feel like Cleveland is in a spot right now where they can move one of their guys, get a pretty good haul, and not be any worse off at the quarterback position. So, that is your quarterback rundown. One last one from the NFL, Calvin Ridley suspended for the 2022-23 season for gambling on the NFL. And this has led to a lot more surprising takes than I was expecting, which I guess makes sense as they're surprises. But this one is a layup. If you are playing in sport, you do not bet on sport. That is pretty simple to me. And save me. God I hated this take. The, well, look, all these owners get to make all this money about flaunting all the gambling money. Can't the players get in on this? Well, A, yaha, that's why the salary cap is $208 million this year. The salary cap in the NHL is 81. So spare me with the, well, shouldn't the players get in on this? They do. It's called football-related revenue. You dumbass. That might be a bit harsh. But I hated that one. And then secondly... The, the take of, oh, this is such an antiquated thing, he wasn't even playing with the team. Look, is it an antiquated rule? I don't even think it is. One of the reasons you can have all of these big gambling things is the result is the game. The result is the product, right? That's what Ryan Rosillo said on his podcast. It's a very good way of putting it. You are selling 
the thought that people can go out and wager, whether it's five, whether it's 5,000, whether it's 500,000, if it's a millionaire maker on DraftKings, same game parlays, now on FanDuel, you, you are selling to people that you can bet on this honest sport as much as we roll our eyes at the NFL sometimes. No one's accused them of fixing anything in a very long time. I mean, indirectly they have, but it, it, not anything substantial. You are selling to people that you can gamble on these games. You can't do that if there is even 1% doubt in people that some of the players might be in on fixing shit. You just can't. And so I honestly... Wait till you're in your 40s to start gambling on sports. Take a couple lessons, maybe. Maybe even indirectly talk to, hey, buddy, can you put $5 on da 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 or 1500 in Calvin Ridley's case, which means he doesn't have a gambling problem, um, which is where I don't know what the cutoff is. But either way, if I was gambling that much money, it'd be a gambling problem. Um, but you, like... Don't sign up with your own name and your own stuff and then make all of these bets while you're sitting out for mental health reasons. Like, it's just, it's, I, I have no problem with the rule being there. And B, it's a rule. Every job has things you can't do. I, when I agreed to broadcast my thoughts on the radio for Rogers for 10 years, had a general understanding I couldn't say shit on the radio. That's just, I think it's stupid. I think it's ridiculous that... In 2022, we can have live streams of a war going on in Ukraine. I can flip on the television and there's a dude getting hit in the brain with a barbed wire baseball bat. Not pro wrestling, by the way. Walking Dead. Uh, I was going to say spoiler alert. I didn't tell you who it was. But you can have all of these explosions and killing and everything on television. But if I say shit on the radio, I'm the bad guy. I don't agree with it, but it's a rule that I follow to because it's a rule that they have. This is a rule that is drilled into you in sports. Pete Rose, banned for life for this kind of stuff. This is the easiest rule that there is. Hey, don't bet on the games. Just don't. Don't do it. You guys got your cards games. You guys got whatever you want to do. Just don't bet. If you want to bet on Fortnite, go for it. Don't bet on the games that you, in the sport that you participate in until you're done. It is a very easy rule and any suggestion to the contrary, like it's just, you're, you're trying too hard to stand up for the players in this case. I don't get it. It sucks because I think Calvin Ridley is really, really good, but man, man, I, I was surprised at how many people wanted to take a stand on this particular case because it's, it's a layup for me. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be, and you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Very pleased to be joined now by one of the best tag teams in Canada. And if you don't believe me, just ask them. They will tell you. Uh, they are the brand. It is uh, the headline Sean Martins and big business Sydney Steele. Gentlemen, thank you for doing this today. How are you? Uh, very good. Thank you for having us, Peter. Thank you for coming on. I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, so we got a tag team match coming up this uh, tonight against the uh, the Prophets. Um, we have Rhino Reynolds in there. He's been kind of um, more of a singles guy for the last little bit, but now dipping his toe into the, the tag team waters. I guess, uh, Sydney, just kind of walk us through this match tonight. 
Yeah, you know, it's hard to to really take anything away from a guy like Rhino Reynolds. He's got every tool necessary to really be a, a top guy in Can-Am wrestling and all across Canada. But the truth is he just, he lacks two things. Number one, the experience. And number two, the killer instinct. And I think tonight he and, uh, and his tag team partner, they're going to find out that when you lack the experience, you lack the killer instinct. You just don't have what it takes quite yet to go toe to toe with the brand. Uh, follow up on that, Sean. Same question. Oh, it, it's hard to follow up on what Sid just said. Um, everything he said is absolutely correct. Uh, Rhino Reynolds and Chris Castles, they are very promising upstarts, but that's the problem that they're going to run into is their upstarts. And they're going up against one of the most decorated tag teams in all of Canada. Hell, we, we just started. We just put ourselves together. And we're already one of the most decorated tag teams in all of Canada. Just imagine what we're going to be able to accomplish as time goes on. Uh, I guess for, for both of you, um, this is a, a company that has just restarted after a, a bit of an absence and that there is a lot of young talent in here. Uh, a couple of guys who have, have traveled the, the roads many times before, such as yourselves, um, from a, a, just like a, a work standpoint, I guess, how is it almost a, a like badge of honor that the company is trusting you to work with some of these younger guys as you guys have been doing and will be doing later on tonight? So do you want to take that one first? Uh, sure, yeah. You know, it's hard to sit here and say that it's a, that it's a badge of honor that you know, we're stepping in the ring with some of these younger teams when, truthfully, I mean, we are the Can-Am Wrestling Tag Team Champions. These teams should want to step up and should want to face us now that being said there are a lot of young upstart talents a lot of young guys that given some time given some seasoning are all going to be you know top guys in the alberta professional wrestling scene it just happens to be that right now they're running face first into the brand uh, again, uh, it's it's hard to touch on and uh, go over the top of what Sydney just said. Uh, a badge of honor, not so much. Uh, right now, it's more like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, we're looking for all competition that we can possibly get. And uh, Can-Am Wrestling has decided to put their rookies up against us and give them title shots, which is really honorable of them to think that they're rookies could stand up against a team like the brand but they're going to find out tonight that uh, they just don't have what it takes and i mean that's that's one thing you see you look up and down that can-am wrestling roster you've got a great mix of experienced talent that's been around but one thing you've got in can-am wrestling that you don't necessarily have other places is you've got the opportunity to see the guys who five, six, ten years from now are going to be the absolute top of this territory. 
Now, when you are looking at kind of younger talent, a lot of times we hear like, well, this person has it and something has clicked with these two. And talking with um, Mark the Shark DiCarlo on uh, on Friday, he, he had mentioned both of you guys as guys who's like, it, it has clicked for you. Well, when you're a performer like that, um, is that something you notice? Is there like a, oh, shit, I figured this thing out now? Sean, we'll start with uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That That's something that you... When you're doing something that is beyond expectations, when you're doing something that is great, you know that you're doing something that's great. People need to, a lot of the times people take our confidence because of what's clicked and they take it as cockiness and they take it as a negative thing. And it's not that at all. Uh, we just know how good we are. We realize what this team that we have is and we realize that we're going to be can-am wrestling tag team champions for a very very long time uh sydney same question i'd have what i guess was there like a, a light bulb like okay I've, I've figured this out now something has clicked here for me you know i think there is for everyone that's that's one thing that i really try to um you know when i get the opportunity when i pick out some of these young talents that i like and i get the opportunity to mentor a little bit one thing that i do like to stress to them is eventually if you if you keep doing this if you keep working hard the light bulb does kind of click um you know if you've if you've got a certain level of talent and you've got a certain level or a certain ability to do this that light bulb does click and that you you do kind of hit a point where you've got this, you know, I'm, I am good at what I do. I am one of the best at what I do. And now I get to go up there and I get to show the people sitting in the chairs that that's the case. Uh, I guess for, for both of you, Sean, you mentioned before that you guys are still uh, uh, fairly new in the, the tag team environment with each other. Obviously, you guys have teamed um, with, with various partners before, um, and you, you both have worked around the world as single par singles partners. So I guess just, uh, Sean, we'll start with you, um, kind of go over what, what stood out about Sydney to draw him in as a tag team partner for you. And then uh, after that, Sydney kind of vice versa with Sean. Okay. Uh, my uh, meeting cut out for a second there, but I think I heard the question here. Uh, what drew myself to Sydney Steele to become tag team partners with him? Well, mm. when you want to be the best in tag team wrestling, you look around the locker room at who else is the best. And the only person that I could even see on my level that could even come close to what I can do in that ring is Sydney Steele. So why wouldn't I want the best to be my tag team partner? Fair point, Sydney. Yeah, you know, Sean Martins and I, we both have a, a love and respect for classic professional wrestling, for what came before us. And it's a love and respect that you don't see a lot from a lot of the young guys coming up. So I think it was a, almost a natural gravitation that, you know, the two of us now have the opportunity to do what we do and, you know, whether it's by holding these Can-Am Wrestling Tag Team Championships for a long time, or whether it's by physical force in the ring, instill some of that love and some of that respect 
for classic old style professional wrestling in some of these up and coming guys? Uh, on a scale of one to 10, Sydney, how much of your decision to go with Sean was his robe game? Oh, 11, 11. <laughs> Sean Martins has the nicest robes that I've seen in professional wrestling in such a long time. I mean, I watch a lot of professional wrestling and I see a lot of subpar robes. Sean Martins has got some of the best I've seen in years. Uh, Sean, not everyone can pull that look off, right? Like, uh, as Sydney mentioned, a lot of dudes, when, when you see them in the robes, it's like, oh, congratulations, you stayed at a nice hotel and learned how to sew. Um, Sean, I, I guess for you, <laughs> what, what, uh, we talk about when did things click. When did it click for you? I'm, I'm a robe guy. Uh, Sydney Steele recently just touched on the point that we were both very much so into classic professional wrestling. I could call us, we're 80s babies, right? We, we love that 80s style. And all of my influences, let's say, all the guys that I looked up to, we, they all wore robes. So if I want to be the best and I want to be like, like my heroes, then uh, I'm a robe guy. Nice. Um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people who, when you, you listen to different podcasts and stuff from the wrestling industry, talk about kind of the, the loss of the territory system. And you guys just mentioned the, the 80s babies thing. We are, I don't want to say a resurgence of that or anything like that, but you guys both work in various different points across Alberta and across North America and across the world. Um, Sean, how, do, how much does that experience kind of help you in wrestling in a different parts in Canada, wrestling in front of whether it be the, the Can-Am arena, the same fans over and over again, and then wrestling in, in different areas how much does all that experience kind of help you out okay that, that's a very good question and uh, I, i'm sure city steel is going to be able to touch on this question uh even more so than myself here in a moment here um i think it's very important uh you're only ever going to get as good as the people that you're wrestling against and you're only going to learn the styles of people that you wrestle against um every territory every region tends to have a certain style built up um, whether it be the stampede style here in Calgary area, or if it's the uh, athletic style out in Ontario, if it's the, uh, I like to call it the independent style on the East or on the West coast, BC down through the States, Southern area, every region you go to has got a different style. So you're going to be able to pull and learn different elements everywhere that you go. And the more that you pull and the more that you learn, the better professional wrestler, the better athlete and the better performer that you become um steel do you want to touch on that as well yeah i think that's uh i think that's the thing is both sean martins and myself we are you know driven to be the the best of the best of professional wrestling and when you have an opportunity to go around to a lot of these different places and you know not only to prove to people all around in all these different places that you are the best, but to take a little bit of a little bit of that style from a few different places and bring them together to make yourself even better. So, you know, whether it is that, that slightly more hard hitting technical combination of that stampede style that you get through at Alberta, whether it's some of that, you know, more high flying, fast paced stuff, whether it is that 
independent wrestling style, whether it is, you know, um, the the Japanese style that Sean Martins has had the opportunity to work with, uh, you know, a lot of Japanese talents coming through uh, CWE, whether it's that uh, Lucha Libre style that I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, you, you combine that and what you get is, you know, the most well-rounded possible professional wrestler to be able to take on any situation and any opponent. Um, bringing it back a little bit more focused to Calgary um, on, on Friday's show, uh, Mark, the shark to Carlo had the, the shirt that says Calgary, Canada, uh, Canadian wrestling's capital city or, or something along those lines. Um, and for, for a long time, that was undisputed. And that, that crown has certainly been challenged over the last little bit. But as, as far as wrestling in the city goes, we have Can-Am here now, um, RCW doing a lot of things. PWA just had a wrestling match in a hockey rink at the Dome. Um, and I'm sure CWE, now that restrictions are lifted, they'll be popping up in this city again. Um, Sean, we'll start with you. How, how do you feel that the wrestling scene in Calgary is doing right now? Well, I, I think the wrestling scene in Calgary is uh, getting hotter and hotter. Um, everywhere I go, I notice the crowds are getting to be not only bigger and, and more filled, but the fans are getting louder. They're getting more appreciative. They're getting hungrier. And uh, it's my hope that here in Calgary that, that just continues. And then wrestling can maybe one day see the resurgence of what we had once upon a time in the 70s when wrestling was the be-all and end-all in the city. Sydney? Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy to think that you know, one city could support, I mean, you just rattled off, I believe, four different promotions. But the truth is that, uh, you know, Calgary really, is, really has been able to do that. And, you know, some of the most hardcore, dedicated pro wrestling fans I've ever come across have been right here in Calgary. Um, and, you know, it was, it was often kind of said back in, back in the day that, you know, if you, if you can get them behind you, if you can make them believe in you in Calgary, you can do so anywhere. And I, I honestly think that still rings true today. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions for you guys here. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, you guys had the, the steel cage match. Uh, where you guys were able to, to win the, the Can-Am tag team titles. And the, the, the interesting stipulation with the, the tag team match inside of Steel Cage is both have to escape. Um, and, and I thought, uh, first of all, congratulations on a great match. Um, I, it was one of those matches where I was disappointed when it ended, A, uh, because you guys are the bad guys and you won, and I didn't want that to happen. Uh, but but also, I, I thought it was uh, just a, a tremendous match. When you have something with a bit of a, like it's a traditional finish with the, I mean, not necessarily traditional, but it's something we've seen for a long time with the escape the cage, but there's a bit of a twist with the tag team rules. How how much more creativity does that kind of a thing kind of allow you, Sydney? Well, I mean, you saw the match. It, it allows us a level of creativity where we were able to uh, isolate Cody Mack. Um, you know, and I got to give a lot of credit to to the gods of metal, you know, we, we talk a lot of trash. We talked a lot of trash to them, but truthfully, you know, they were Can-Am Wrestling World Tag Team Champions for a reason, two incredibly talented guys. But I think what you saw in that match was maybe that little bit of a lack of experience. Jordan Aries getting real excited, climbing over that cage early, leaving his tag team partner behind 
and giving us an opportunity to isolate Cody Mack, you know, the, the, you know, the fundamentals of tag team wrestling are isolating your opponent. When you've got one guy now locked outside of a steel cage, it makes it all that much easier to do. You know, uh, Aries was able to, was able to get back into the cage, was able to, you know, turn things around on us for a minute, but ultimately at the end of the day, I think that was the downfall in that match of the gods of metal, Jordan Aries escaping and leaving Cody Mack for the two of us. And, and Sean, I would imagine that's the type of uh, psychological advantage that uh, the, the headline would thrive on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, two on one. I'll take a two on one match any day of the week, as long as I'm on the good yeah. odds. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, last one for you guys. We've talked about how you guys have, have traveled around and wrestled a lot of veterans and are now veterans yourselves. In that Can-Am locker room, um, we've talked about you wrestling younger talents. Are, are there younger talents who will come up to you and ask you about things or do you go to them? How, how does that kind of backstage relationship work? Yeah, you know, a lot of times you do get um, those younger guys coming up asking for advice. Um, and you know, the flip side is also true. There's a number of guys I've seen in the Can-Am locker room that show a lot of promise that I will go out of my way to, you know, to help try and, and raise up and mold into that next generation of main event star, you know, keeping in mind that as the old saying goes, I will show them everything they know, but I won't necessarily show them everything I know. And Sean? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There, there's quite a few really good guys in Can-Am wrestling, and there's a lot of talent that uh, you can see that they're hungry. They come to you, and they they ask questions. They ask, could you watch my match? They they ask, what could I do better? And like Sydney said, um, I have no problem helping these guys because, as I said earlier, you only get better by working people that are better. So it is kind of our responsibility to help these guys get better. But at the same time, I'm not going to show them everything that I know because I'd like to stay at the top. Yeah. The Can-Am Tag Team Champions, the brand taking on the Profits tonight at the Can-Am Arena at the back alley. Uh, you can watch AEW beforehand and then watch the Slam TV tapings afterward. Uh, gentlemen, a, a message for Rhino Reynolds and Chris Castles that the Profits tonight, Sydney, will start with you. Yeah, you know, these two guys, you know, you're, you're talented guys. You are up and coming. You are going to be top guys. Unfortunately, you're just not there yet. And you're just not on the level of the brand. Sean, do you have any uh, closing remarks for the profits? Yeah, just like Sydney said, you guys are both very talented and uh, you guys will be there one day. But we're going to find out tonight if tonight's the night or if you're just going to find your doomsday. And that's not a spoiler, Peter. That's just tomorrow's headline. Today. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. Uh, guys, this was a blast. Thank you guys so much. And uh, looking forward to the matches tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. 
So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Well, this is one of the more terrifying interviews I will do, and we're not even in the same place. Uh, we welcome the Cheetah Bear into the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Uh, Mr. Bear, sir, how are you today? Pete, it is nice to uh, officially meet you and uh, officially be here on the pod. Well, it's, it's nice to have you. Uh, thank you very much for, for doing this today. I, I guess my first question um, the, the, the cheetah bear, obviously things are going very well for you in Can-Am wrestling. You are currently the world heavyweight champion. Um, all, all cheetah bears blossom from somewhere. Um, so what, what, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, what dark recesses of a mind does presents and brings to life a cheetah bear? The cheetah bear actually, uh, originally stemmed from kind of, uh, Making fun of Brock Lesnar. Okay. Funny story. Um, if you'll remember a time where Seth Rollins had just turned his back on his brothers and uh, became the authority's number one man, he had the money in the bank. And meanwhile, you have uh, boring reigns and Brock Lesnar facing off at WrestleMania. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Seth runs in, cashes in his money in the bank, becomes the new WWE champion, I believe. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, there's been week after week of Brock Lesnar running after Seth Rollins. And there was one night where I was sitting with some fellow wrestlers. This was early on in my training days where I see Brock Lesnar run out after Seth Rollins. And for a second, Seth Rollins, you see him kind of look back like, oh, okay, this is just gonna happen again. I'm gonna run away from Brock Lesnar. And then you see him legitimately look back and be like, oh shit, this man is a super athlete. <laughs> and I said to the other guys, holy crap, Brock Lesnar's coming after these, this guy like a goddamn cheetah bear. From there, the name kind of stuck. It kind of fit how I wanted to be in the ring, how I wanted to devour the competition. And uh, I mean, a lot of people make fun of it, but it is very fun to say, and nobody forgets that stupid name. No, no, that is accurate. And I will be perfectly honest. When I first heard it, I was like, okay, let, let's see how this goes. And then you walk out and you see the match. It's like, okay, well, I need to see more of this though. I, I, I need to, like, I, I, I want him to come back out here and do that again. Um, for you, what, when did it like click where the, the full transformation is complete and the, the cheetah bear goes from idea of watching Brock Lesnar scare the bejesus out of someone to, hey, this is working, I, I got this. Well, I remember cutting a promo and bringing the name up within the promo and it kind of latched on, like, I noticed when people watched it, as soon as I said those words together, they kind of smiled, they kind of chuckled, they kind of paid a little more attention despite how silly it might sound. So I decided to go all in. Um, I changed up my look and my presentation. I mean, the first incarnation of the Cheetah Bear looked oh, a little like an Ewok. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it wasn't my, my finest hour. Uh, but it evolved. And I remember doing this, uh, this one show, um, I believe it was in a place called Onion Lake, which is close to Manville. And that's where peaches come from. Um, in Onion Lake, for some reason, I just started making this sound, just this, whoo, 
just to the to the there was a bunch of little kids in the crowd and I'd make it and they'd make it back. And suddenly I, I thought to myself, I got something here. And I haven't stopped making that stupid noise, but man, it it just it brings me such a sense of joy. <laughs> well, and that, that was something I was going to ask because that that is a big part. And you can see you you feed off of the the hoops and from the crowd. Um, just saying that, I feel like you got a little bit more fired up and it got me a little more scared. Um, so when we're, we're as we're going through what the world is going through right now, and it, it does seem like we're coming out the, the other side of that, but we've been able to say that eight times now um, with things being a little bit limited. Now that we're starting to open up a little bit, I, I would imagine the possibilities are endless for not just the amount of hoops that we'll get in a crowd, but for what that can do for the cheetah bear. Absolutely. Uh, for me personally, it's, I feed off the crowd. I'm a big believer as, as a, as an athlete, as a, uh, a competitor that if you ignore your audience, they'll ignore you. And I'm, I'm not about that. Like they are what kind of give me the drive to hit a little harder ask AJ Sanchez, you know, run a little faster um, and be a little more aggressive. Like it is, it is all about that energy, man. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're starting to see more and more of that, um, especially at the Can-Am arena at the, the back alley next show coming up on March 9th with uh, Can-Am wrestling. Um, pardon the pun here, I guess, but the, uh, the, the hunter has now become the hunted as, as you are the, the, the heavyweight champion. How does that change things for the cheetah bear? You know what? Um, I am a hunter and I am a trophy hunter. So I got my trophy and, you know, some people say that, you know, the, the, the wolf at the top of the hill, you know, he gets all the food he wants. He's, he's there. He's fulfilled. He has no need to, to strive hardest. But um, when he wants the kill, it's there. And I'm there at the top of the mountain and I can see who's on my tail and uh, yeah, I have no fear. Who, who's coming <laughs> at me this Wednesday? Like, honestly, like, hold on. Let me be a little, a little serious here. Sorry, I was dressing up a little bit. Who do I have this Wednesday? Oh, well, I learned from a certain podcast hosted by yourself with uh, Mark the Shark to Carlo that I'm facing one Tyler Knox. That is right. I did know that. He's a previous cruiserweight champion in pure power wrestling based out of Lethbridge. My question is, how the hell did he earn a title shot? Who, who is he talking to? Legitimately, this is his first match in Canada Pro Wrestling. How? More importantly, who? You know, like in Canada Pro Wrestling, our junior heavyweights... Like Mentalo for some reason. Sean Martins has been in junior heavyweight matches. Even Chevy Chevy had like 300 some pounds. They're way bigger than cruiserweights. So, I mean, this, this boy's got some work to put in. Mm -hmm. You better start eating, kid. <laughs> um, in terms of the, the next places you want to go and the, the next hunts you want to be a part of, well, what... Uh, the, again, we just talked about you're at the top of the mountain, uh, figuratively and literally. Um, in, in terms of where, where, like, what drives the cheetah bear now? What is that? Uh, what drives the cheetah bear is more competition. Um, you know, this month alone, I'm, I'm going to keep up my title defenses with Canon Pro Wrestling. 
but I'm also headed to all-star wrestling to compete in their one night tournament for the trans Canada championship, their top title, a one night tournament. I'm literally facing opponents for two nights in a row for Can-Am taking a red eye, heading to all-star kicking ass the whole time, coming back with a big heavy title and doing it all again the next week. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Cheetah Bear, this has been a blast to do. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, if people want more of you, and how could they not, uh, where, where can people find you? Uh, my go-to is Instagram, the underscore Cheetah Bear. Um, same on the Twitters. Um, you can find my YouTube channel, Cheetah Bear Country, um, which content will be up soon. And uh Facebook Jude Dawkins, follow Can-Am Pro Wrestling, follow All-Star Pro Wrestling, and uh, you'll find all the good stuff, all the, uh, the murder, death, and killing. <laughs> Time to die. Perfect way to end it. Cheetah Bear, thank you so much for this. Appreciate it. And please, please don't hurt me. No promises, kid. <laughs> All right, so hope you guys enjoyed the Can-Am shows. Uh, again, they are at the back alley coming up tonight. Nine, uh, sorry, eight o'clock. It is the ninth today. Uh, eight o'clock is bell time. You can go to the back alley. Doors open at, I believe, 5.30. You can watch AEW Dynamite. It's a really fun atmosphere to watch what's going to be a very interesting episode of Dynamite coming off of one of the best wrestling pay-per-views of all time at Revolution. Um, so you can check out AEW. They got food prices, uh, food specials on. And then once the show is done that's when the real show starts with canon wrestling and we just talked about it with these three gentlemen um or two gentlemen and a bear we have a big night of wrestling coming to you from Can-Am Wrestling down at the back alley. So go check that out. Check me out on social media. Twitter and Instagram, I am at PrimetimeKline. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Coming up later on this week, uh, Friday, it is a fighting Friday. We're going to have a little bit more on the boxing that I watched over the weekend, a little bit more on the Ultimate Fighting Championship from over the weekend, a lot more on AEW Revolution. Girana is coming back. We had to do back-to-back -back weeks after an amazing show. And also, uh, we are going to be joined by another Can-Am wrestling star. So that is going to be coming up on Friday. A reminder, this is all coming from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Join their March Madness promotion. If you phone and book and mention you want to book the March Madness promotion, you will get 10% off your first invoice with them. Have a great next couple of days, everyone. And I'll talk to y'all later. I'm out.